0: Hey everyone, good morning. I want to welcome you to Toronto City Church, our online worship experience. My name is Pastor Brendan Whitten. I know most of you know that, but there may be some new people who don't. And we are so glad that you're here with us. It's another Sunday, and you are here for another installment of our Summer Mixtape 2021 series. So this month, what we're doing is we are just having different voices from within and without our church family who are speaking to us, challenging us, encouraging us. So we've had a great month so far. We had Pastor Matt Tapley from Lake Mount Worship Center. Last week, Pastor Jair Guerrero, our very own, brought an incredible word of encouragement to us today. We're really honored and really excited to welcome Pastor Finu Ipe. Come and join us. I've known Pastor Fanu for a number of years now. I actually count him to be one of my best friends. And he is a man who loves God. He's a man who has a heart for the gospel going forward. He is currently a pastor and oversees church planning in the GTA for Village Church. And he also is the founder and overseer of Passion to Reach Ministries. He's been here before at TCC, so many of you remember him. But he is a man who just preaches fire. And so I want to encourage you get ready. You are buckle your seatbelt, strap in. You're going to be encouraged today. You're going to be challenged. Let's jump to Pastor Fanu,
1: who's going to be bringing the word. Good morning, Toronto City Church. Hope you guys are all doing well. It is so good uh, to have the opportunity uh, to speak to you uh, today. I want to just uh, thank Pastor Brendan, Pastor Sharon. You guys have incredible pastors that have led Uh, In just an amazing way over these past, what, 18 months or so since we've been in the pandemic, uh, you know, I have the privilege of working with many churches, many pastors across our city, and you guys are blessed with some of the best leaders, uh, not just your lead pastors, but your assistant pastors and the team uh, that's leading ministry here at Toronto City Church. So I'm super excited for what God's going to do as you come out uh, of this summer season Uh, of of, uh, small gatherings, outdoor gatherings and different things and really re-engage as the church globally is going to do uh, in worship services every Sunday and reaching people uh, with the gospel. And so I want to thank all of you uh, that are part of this church, that have been faithful to the mission of this church, that give and serve. And just love on your leadership team here because I, th- I tell you that is so important uh, during this season. Today, uh, I have the privilege to talk to you about what I believe is the most important mandate of any group of believers uh, that gather together, that organize themselves together. And that is the mission of communicating the gospel to the world. And friends, we have an amazing opportunity coming out of the pandemic to actually talk about Jesus, talk about the hope. I mean, we've gone through 18 months where there hasn't been a lot of hope. When a lot of the idols that people have uh, elevated in their lives and they've sort of given their lives to those things have all been shut down and people are asking these uh, main questions, these existential questions about life and eternity and heaven and hell and death and sickness and all of these things. And so the church is so well positioned to be able to communicate the gospel of Jesus. So my hope is that over the next 20, 25 minutes or so, as I as I speak to you from God's word, you'll be challenged and you'll be inspired. And maybe, hopefully, you'll feel a little bit more equipped to be able to communicate the gospel and live your life on mission. So let me read for you from First uh, John chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse 9 to verse 12. Here's what it says. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I wanna talk to you today about the idea to start off with that God is constantly testifying. You know, when we talk about mission, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about gospel proclamation, The default thought process that many of us go through is like, well, God's waiting on me to say something. God's waiting on me to do something. And and absolutely, we'll get to that in a moment here where God is calling us to partner. But can I just encourage you today that God is constantly speaking. God is constantly testifying. Uh, The Apostle John here uh, is speaking uh, to the church and he's saying this. He says, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. This idea that God is testifying, God is witnessing, God is communicating the truth of the gospel, the truth about his Son, Jesus Christ, coming into this world, living a sinless, perfect life, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead on the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, and that He's going to be the soon coming King who will now redeem all of mankind that put their faith, their trust in Him. Uh, I share the story often uh, of my own sort of family experience where Uh, Years and years ago, decades ago now, uh, my grandfather uh, used to work in the Indian army and he was uh, born and raised in a Brahmin Hindu home. Okay, This is back in India. My parents come from South India. And I share this story because I want you and I, I I want us to be reminded constantly that it isn't always just human effort that god is constantly backing the gospel with his own testimony so here's what happens my grandfather is a brahmin hindu you know if you don't know what that is as far as hinduism brahmin brahmins are like the highest caste in hinduism and so uh, they feel like and, and this is the sort of the hindu theology if you will their understanding of god is that uh, you will live many lives and then eventually you will become perfect enough uh, to become one with the universe, you know, and so you're going to have moksha. You, you're going to be free from desire, free from pain, and so that's sort of the ultimate goal. Uh, because Brahmins are the highest caste in Hinduism, they believe that they've gone through many rebirths and many uh, versions of becoming perfect, and that's why they've been born into the highest caste. And so there's a lot of pride that goes with being a Brahmin. And so he's a Brahmin Hindu. He's in the army. Uh, he's you know a bunch with a bunch of people, obviously, and uh, this older gentleman shares the gospel with my grandfather and a few of his friends. And he talks to them about Jesus and talks to them about eternal life and talks to them about heaven and hell and the cross and all of this. And and these guys, you know, young people at the time, they're like basically laughing at him. They're like, come on, are you serious? Do you really believe that some guy dying 2,000 years ago is going to make a difference in our lives today? And, and somehow if we believe in him, you know, our sins will be forgiven and we'll have eternal life. Like it just doesn't sound real or I guess it sounds too good to be true because again in their worldview, it's like you've got to do a lot of things in order to become perfect and over many rebirths you're going to eventually uh you know attain uh this idea of being free from sin and desire and pain and so they laugh at him and so one of the guys speaks up and says well if Jesus were to appear to me if Jesus were to appear to us, we'll believe. And they basically said that in a mocking way. And yet my uh, this, this gentleman who was sharing uh, the gospel with my grandfather and his friend said, really, you'll believe if Jesus appears to you. So he says, I'm going to pray for you guys. So sure enough, he prays. A few days later, my grandfather, in the middle of the night, has a vision of Jesus. Literally speaking to him and inviting him to come into a relationship with him. And... To his shock, he wakes up in the middle of the night and a bunch of his friends who had all heard the gospel shared by this gentleman all woke up in the middle of the night and they swapped stories and guess what? They all had the same vision of Jesus at the same time. It was so compelling that he basically gave his life to Jesus, my grandfather did, and and was baptized, went back home to his Brahmin into home and his, you know, his family, uh, Sure enough, was like, listen, this is not going to work here. Like, if you want to be part of our home, uh, you, can't, you can't follow Jesus. And so they basically gave him an ultimatum. You've got to choose the family or choose Jesus. And he chose Jesus and he was disinherited and disowned from the family and basically was separated from them because of his faith in Jesus for the rest of his life because it was such a compelling vision that he had received. Here's my point. I want to communicate. I want to encourage us today That God is speaking. That when we talk about gospel proclamation, when we talk about living on mission, when we talk about communicating who Jesus is, we're not just talking about it. It's got to be how articulate you are. It's got to be about how well you communicate uh, with people that are different from you. It's got to be about how relational you are or how friendly you are or how kind you are. And again, all those things are great, but it doesn't just depend on that. It actually depends on the testimony of God and God is constantly communicating His message to people. What God's calling us to do is to partner with Him. And that brings me to uh, Matthew chapter 28, which is a really uh, familiar passage to many people. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've probably heard this uh, these verses uh, spoken about many, many times. Here's what it says, Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have, given, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, uh, commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, one of the reasons that I love this passage of scripture, and I think it's so important for those of us that are followers of Jesus, is that this is really where Jesus lays out the purpose of our lives as Christians. I mean, literally, the reason God has left us on the earth, I mean, the reason we are here once we've become followers of Jesus, once we've put our trust in Jesus, once we've been given the guarantee of eternal life and life in heaven with God, with Jesus forever and ever and ever, the reason we are still here is not, as some people would think, well, you know, God left us here for fellowship, and God left us here for worship, and God left us here for for all these other things. And 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 yes, they all have a part to play, and we should have community. But listen, heaven would have the best community if we would just be in heaven, or or if it's worship. I mean, there's no worship that's going to be greater than worship that's going to happen in heaven. The reason God has placed us on the earth today, as followers, as believers of Jesus, is this passage. Jesus is saying, "I want you to organize your life. I want." want you to reorient your life. I mean, listen, Peter and John could have gone back to their sh- to their fishing business, back to their little boats in Galilee and been good Christians. I mean, they could have worshiped Jesus and 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 remembered his stories and his parables and taught his parables and you know, and and just lived good lives, good people, good lives following this rabbi who had a ministry for three and a half years, and they know in their hearts they're going to go to heaven. But that's not what happened, and that's not what's happening here. Jesus is on a mountain, and he is literally speaking to these disciples. And by the way, uh, you know it's not just these, you know, the 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 eleven that, uh, that are here. It's actually many more disciples. In fact, in uh, in First Corinthians, Paul talks about the idea of Jesus appearing at one time to five hundred people, and some scholars believe that there were hundreds of disciples uh, at this mountain listening to. Jesus. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to reorganize your life, reorganize your priorities, reorganize why you exist. You know, Simon Sinek has this wonderful, um, you know, talk for, I guess, organizational leaders, business leaders. And he talks about start with the why. Start with why you do what you do. Why are you in this business? Or why does your organization exist? Because if you don't know the why, you'll eventually lose track of what you're supposed to do about it. But when, you, when your why is clear, you, you're able to stay laser focused on the reason you exist. Listen friends, the, the reason the church exists is so we can be about the mission. Yes, if you're going to have fellowship time, it it ought to connect to the mission. If there's going to be worship time, it's got to connect to the mission. And by, by the way, how can we worship God any better than by glorifying the name of Jesus Christ, God's Son, in the world that we live in? How better could we worship God than communicating the awesomeness of the name of Jesus and who He is and what He's done for all of mankind? And this is what Jesus is doing here. And here is my challenge to you. As as we come through this pandemic and as we regather as churches and as we connect again together, as you do that, as Toronto City Church, can I challenge you? Consider, you know, it's sort of given us an opportunity in this season to sort of think about what is church all about? Can I challenge you to consider when you come back to church, I'm coming back to Toronto City Church to be trained. I'm coming back to Toronto City Church so I can be equipped. I'm coming back to Toronto City Church So I can be encouraged every week to go back into the world and to live my life on mission. And this is what Jesus says here. And I love this. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is how it connects to the story that I just shared. What what Jesus is saying is, guys, I'm not asking you to do this alone. I'm actually going to empower you. I'm going to be with you. I'm Listen, that gentleman that that shared Jesus with my grandfather and his friends, Jesus was with him. Obviously, that's why he backed up what he had to say. But God is looking for people that will say, "Listen, I want to communicate the gospel. I want to step out there and I want to speak to this." And and it's it's not just about church attendance. And again, this is something we've learned. Uh, I think most of us through this pandemic, it's not just about being at chur- in a church building. And again, when we have the opportunity to do that, that's awesome and we should. There's something powerful about that. But it's not just about that, it's more than that. It's that we take what we learn, take what we get, take the, the fellowship and the worship and the and the preaching and the teaching and all of that, and we make it practical and real to the people that God has placed us with, the sphere of influence that He's given us. And this is what Jesus is speaking uh, in this passage of Scripture. He's talking about the idea that you and I have been commissioned. You and I are on a mission. This is what the the, the Christian faith rests on is that every person that has received something, ought to give something. Every person that has experienced Jesus ought to share that experience of Jesus with the world around them. Uh, Let me read you a quote here um, from, from Spurgeon. If you would just tuck up your sleeves for work and go and tell the gospel to dying men, you would find your spiritual health mightily restored. For very much of the sickness of Christians comes through their having nothing to do. All feeding and no working makes men spiritual dyspeptics. Be idle, careless, with nothing to live for, nothing to care for, no sinner to pray for, no backslider to lead back to the cross, no trembler to encourage, no little child to tell of a savior, no gray-headed man to enlighten in the things of God, no object, in fact, to live for. And who wonders if you begin to groan and to murmur and to look within until you are ready to die of despair?" Spurgeon is saying, listen, if you, you and I, if you're going to be spiritually healthy, part of what we need to do is we need to communicate the gospel to someone. Uh, I've shared my story multiple times about this, and maybe I have with you. Uh, the last time I spoke, I don't remember exactly now, but I just want to bring you into sort of my own life and journey, where this became so real to me. Was uh, I was 17 years old, and my younger brother, who was 12, had been diagnosed with cancer Two years prior, at the age of 10. And uh, yeah, we went to the best doctors, tried all the treatments we could, and uh, eventually, uh, my brother died at the age of 12. Um, Yeah, no one should die at the age of 12, obviously. Uh, It was three of us boys, he was the middle child to my parents. It was a very difficult time and season of our lives. And I'd never experienced death before. I'd never been to a funeral service before. I'd never seen a dead body before. You know, it was just the first time and it was really shocking uh, to my system and my senses. And I remember sitting at his funeral service as a 17 year old, looking at his body, couldn't figure out exactly what had happened. Like I, I, you know, for the first time I'm like, oh, there's more to being human than just the body you're in because his body is there. But obviously he's not there, and I I began to ask myself the question. There were hundreds of people at the funerals. You can imagine again, you know, people just wanting to be supportive to the family, uh, and just the shock of this, you know, young kid dying um, so soon. And uh, they were all saying, you know, things about my brother and about our family and stuff. And I asked myself the question at that moment: What does it really matter? Like, what does it really matter in this moment that? these people are saying all these wonderful things uh, about about him. What really matters, I said to myself, is, number one, where is he now? And number two, what does Jesus have to say about him? Like, what is what does Jesus have to say about my brother's life? And I said to myself, well, isn't that what it's all about then? If, if you can live your whole life and do a whole lot, um, and then eventually you're going to leave this world, and then what you're going to walk into is not 60 years, or 70 years, or 80 years, or 100 years even. It's forever and ever and ever. Then should we not live this life in light of eternity? Someone that I really admire in ministry says this, we've been given 15 minutes on this earth. Like, Like the idea that we just have such a short amount of time in the world compared to eternity. The question is, what are we going to do with the time we've been given? And for me personally, that was the day. That was the moment when I said, before they dress me up and put me in a box, I want to do something that's going to make a difference in eternity. And here's my challenge to all of us today, is to live our lives in light of eternity. To live our lives in light, not just of our own eternity. Because a lot of us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll feel, well, I'm good. I've I've given my life to Jesus. This is awesome. I have eternal life. I know it. And you do. But here's the question. What about that colleague at work? What about that neighbor? What about that family member? What about that person that maybe you met, you know, online? Because we've been meeting all kinds of people online over this past year uh, because our lives have moved online. And and so whatever the, the sphere of influence or how you're connected, what about those people that God has allowed you to connect with? And this is where Jesus is saying, go. The idea of go when he he speaks about this in, in Matthew 28 is move from your own comfort zone. Move from where you are. Move from just your little life, your family, you know, my church. We do this, my church, my family, my hobbies, my, move away from my and move towards them. Whoever the them is in your life. Because that's what God is calling us to do. In, in in the first letter of John that we read from, God is testifying, constantly communicating. Why is he doing that? Let me read that again for you. First John chapter 5 and verse 12 says this. Verse 11 actually. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Period. God's saying, listen, the only way you have eternal life is through my son. And friend, that's what people need to hear. And that's what God is calling us to, to live on mission, to communicate that message to the world. And and by the way, can I also just encourage you and say this, that it's not just about how you live. It's also about what you say. So often people have said, well, you know, uh, there's this quote that's gone around that says, You know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. That's not biblical. That's not what the Bible says. Yes, we've got to live good lives. Yes, we've got to be good to people. Yes, we've got to be kind to people. But we've also got to speak the truth of God's word. We've got to communicate verbally the the gospel of Jesus. And, And let me end with this. I want to talk about the mode of the mission, the mode of the mission, okay? Uh, In John chapter 4, starting in verse 4, it talks about Jesus connecting with this woman, a Samaritan woman. So just for the next few moments, uh, let me just unpack a few of these verses and and talk about the mode. When I say mode, what I mean by that is not the method, not how you're going to do it specifically because I'm not quite sure your context and and how God would want you to to communicate the gospel, But, but what should be our mindset? What should be our frame of mind, our our heart posture, when it comes to how we present the gospel, it's like you know in your car, you've got different modes. You've got the eco mode, you got a normal mode, you got a sport mode. I mean, I don't have a fancy car, so that's all the three modes I have. And, and I do know that when I when I move to sport mode, uh, the acceleration definitely bumps up. So if I wanna uh, you know pass somebody on the highway. Uh, generally speaking, and if it's a little tight, I'm going to go to sport mode because I know the car's sort of like expecting it. The car's ready. So it's, like, it's almost like, how do we stay ready to live on mission? What does that look like? Let me read for you John chapter 4, verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to drive water and she and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Number one, the mode of the mission is the mode of connection. You cannot communicate the gospel if you will not start a conversation with people. A part of the challenge we have often is that we don't take advantage of opportunities that are transactional. What do I mean by that? In this moment, Jesus is thirsty he sees somebody that's coming to draw water and he knows there's a natural transactional connection that's possible. It's not relational yet. It's not sort of heart to heart yet. It's it's actually got to do with something external. But here's what Jesus is doing. His mode of operating in mission is, I'm going to use the natural transaction to shift the conversation to something that is more relational. And so he starts off with simply asking, hey, can I get some water? Now, why? this is so amazing is that number one, she's a woman. So in the culture back then, that's not common. You're not supposed to do that. And she actually talks about this Uh, later down in this passage. And then secondly, she's a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews had nothing to do with each other. I mean, Samaritans were basically Jewish people that had intermarried with with the nations around them and they were sort of considered second-class citizens and outcasts by the Jewish people. And so there was not really a connection between the two groups of people. And Jesus is breaking barriers for this transaction to happen. She's like, you're not supposed to even ask me for water, but Jesus is like, I have a need and I'm gonna talk to you about it. And here's what I wanna encourage us to do. Take every natural transactional opportunity. Uh, You know, if you're uh, you're looking to sell a home or buy a home, you'll have a real estate agent, or maybe you'll have a mortgage agent, or uh, if it's your accounting, or if it's your insurance, or whatever the reason is that you will need to transact business, transact interaction with someone, always look at those opportunities as opportunities to take it one step further. I was just talking to someone the other day, I'll just use this example. Um, I went in uh, to look for some office space for our church. And uh, so I was meeting with this one company and there was uh, this one specific manager that I was talking to and um, had an amazing connection with this person, talked a lot back and forth. Remember the, the reason we initially connected was because of you know us wanting to lease office space. And we just, I just be, was able to use that opportunity just to connect and just to talk and, and really get to build some relationship to the extent that the following week when I called this person and said, listen, I may not actually go with your company at the end of the day. Um, I'm getting a better deal with this other corporation. And uh, this person said to me on the phone, said, Fanu, I want you to know that you have a friend for life. And when you guys start your church, I want to be there. And this is not an evangelical Christian person. So, you know, this is not part of their context. But, but but she's saying, I want to come to your church and you have a friend for life, even if you never end up doing business with us. So think about that for a moment. You use the natural transactional opportunities in order to build relational capital so you can share the gospel down the road. The woman was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Here's what you've got to be in. You've got to be in the mode when you think about mission. You've got to be in the mode of, I will connect with anyone that Jesus died to save. Who's that? Every human being. So meaning, it doesn't matter what the difference between us is. And and can I just encourage you with this? I've preached the gospel in 20 plus nations, all kinds of cultures, languages, tribes, people. Here's what I found out. The human need for a savior is exactly the same. The human understanding or the human recognition is probably a better word of sin is the same. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what car you drive, how much money you make. Here's what's common. What's common to every human being is this. I am a sinner. I'm not worthy of God. I know I I have so many faults. I've made so many mistakes in life. And I wish there was an opportunity that I could connect with God, a higher power that's out there that, that would help me resolve this inner turmoil that I face. And, and when you look at mission that way, say, any person God puts in front of me is a potential opportunity to have a relationship to talk about Jesus. When you think that way, it opens up the possibilities of the people that you can connect with. It's too, you know, too often, it's unfortunate, too often, we only associate with people that are like us. We start that sort of conversation that transactional conversation with people that are like us meaning if you were in this context if we were in this context if i was in this context uh, i would oh man i'm so thirsty but she's a samaritan i'm not supposed to talk to her i'm just not going to talk to her i'm thirsty i really want a drink but because of who she is i'm not even going to try but what if the motive mission ought to be oh i'm ready it doesn't matter who she is. It doesn't matter what her background is. It doesn't matter where he's coming from. It doesn't matter how much money he makes. It doesn't matter if he's a CEO of the company or of his, if he's a janitor at our, in our office building. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm ready to communicate Jesus. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Here's another element, another part of the mode of mission. Always know that you have something of eternal value that the person you are sharing with is looking for. This is a fascinating part of how Jesus does this. She is the one who's got the upper hand in this conversation. Why? He's thirsty. She's got the water. Meaning it looks as though she's got all the answers in the natural and he doesn't. And yet what he is offering her is something that she needs, something that is spiritual. I, I remember when uh, when Peter and John went into the temple at the hour of prayer, I think it's Acts chapter 4 and or Acts chapter 3, and, they're, and they uh, see a lame man and the Bible says he's looking for silver and gold. But Peter responds and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. Here's what Peter said, I don't have... You, he probably, so when Peter says silver and gold, I don't have, I'm sure the beggar had some coins. Somebody before Peter and John probably dropped a few coins. So at this moment, the beggar's got more coins than Peter and John. But what Peter says is I may not have the coins you have, but I have something greater than what you have. Listen, if you're going to live your life on mission, you've got to know, you've got to believe, you've got to always be in the mode of, listen, when I encounter someone that needs to hear the gospel, that needs to have a relationship with Jesus, that needs eternal life, that needs a solution to the sin problem in their life, I know I've got the answer. Even if they seem to have more answers in the natural, even if they've got a better job, even if they've got, they're have got they more successful, even if they're more athletic, more good looking, more whatever, their family looks good, Everything on the outside looks good. I get it. But on the inside, I've got something that they don't have. And here's what I love about what Peter says in Acts 3, is what I have, I give to you. Jesus, in this passage in John 4, is doing the same thing. He's saying, woman, you think this is about natural water, but the reason I'm really here is because I want to give you spiritual water. I'm actually here not just to tell you that I have something special. I, I'm here to give you that something that I have. This is part of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Is not just to know the truth, but it's to share the truth. It's not just to have Holy Spirit, but it's to allow Holy Spirit to work with, through you so that people around you can experience Jesus and experience the gospel. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip a few verses here. Let me read this. Um, this uh, portion of scripture for you, it says, Please, sir, the woman said in verse 15, Give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So obviously, she has a need for what Jesus is offering. And Jesus says, Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, You're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Verse 19, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me why is it that that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. I don't have time to go into the the question of, of the Mount Gerizim versus Jerusalem, but here's what I want to focus in on for a moment. Jesus reads her life. Jesus basically reveals to her that he knows what's happening in her life. And she says to him, wow, are you a prophet? Like, how do you know this? I mean, it literally instantaneously opens her heart to everything else Jesus is going to say after this, which, by the way, um, is going to be that he's going to share the gospel. He's going to reveal himself as the Messiah. She's going to invite a city to come hear Jesus. And they're all going to believe. So this incredible revival is about to happen. And what's the key to opening her heart for this to happen? It's that Jesus reveals something to her that she that she knows there's no way he would have known in the natural. The mode of mission always ought to be that God can do miracles in any situation. Meaning there, there may be a person you're like, man, well, he's too intellectual. He reads all these books. He has all these questions. There's no way I'm going to convince him. What if you don't have to? What if in that moment, the Holy Spirit gives you a revelation about this person's life that you say, hey, I don't really know why I'm saying this, but have you experienced this in your life? Or are you going through something along this, you know, along the lines of this situation? Like, I I just get the sense. And imagine if that came true. All of a sudden, all the arguments will go out the window because you've just gone directly to the heart of the person. The mode of mission ought to be, I believe in a God of the supernatural. I'm not here to try to convince you with how articulate I am in explaining the gospel and answering every question you have about the Bible or some story in the Bible or about some historical fact about the Bible. I'm not here to do that. I'm actually here as a messenger from God, communicating the truth of God's word. And because I'm here on behalf of God, I believe God will show up and God's going to speak to your heart. God's going to reveal himself to you. And this is what happens in this passage of scripture. And I'm out of time, so I've got to close. But here's what I want to leave with you today. I want you to know that God is testifying. He is speaking. He's not just left it to you and I say, you guys figure it out. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to wait for everything to be done. And I'm going to wait for the time when, you know, the, the, uh, the trumpet will sound and Christ will return. And you guys are on your own till then. No, Jesus is with you. He's speaking on behalf of you. He just needs you to take the first step. Secondly, we are called to organize our churches, but also our lives, your money, your marriage, your children, where you live, what you drive, where you work, everything that we do ought to be organized. And if I can use the, in the context of someone coming to Jesus, reorganized so that you can fulfill the mission that God's called you to. And finally, think about the mode of the mission. Always think about how can I have transactional conversations that will result in relational conversations. Always think about how can I be open to any person knowing that what I have, all of humanity needs. And lastly, the idea that we serve a supernatural God. And so it's not based on your ability, it's based on His power. And there are moments when He will use you to speak into someone's life that will open up their heart and God's Word will go directly into their heart and they will become receptive just as this Samaritan woman. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you've called us to the greatest mission in the world. You've given us the greatest message in all of human history, the message that God is calling humanity to reconcile to himself, not by our works, not by what we do, not by making up for the sins we've committed, but simply by believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to have these relational, transactional relational conversations with people. Help us to communicate the gospel. Help us to reorganize our lives around this mission. Help us to believe, Lord, as Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have but what I have, that, Lord, we do have the greatest message in the world that we can share with people. And let your power be with your people as they go out and live their lives on mission in Jesus' name.
0: Wasn't that a great word today from Pastor Finu? How about you? But I've definitely been challenged. I've been encouraged. I need to go do a little bit of repenting. I need to go do some a little bit of strategizing. And, and and as always, we want to make sure we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word. Amen? Amen. Well, you guys know, uh, one of the things that we like to do here at Toronto City Church is if we've had a guest speaker with us, we always want to give an opportunity for you to sow into them and to sow into their ministry. Uh, Pastor Phinew, as we mentioned, he's with Village Church, but he also oversees Passion to Reach Ministries, which is doing incredible work in equipping churches and reaching people with the gospel. And so I want to give you an opportunity to sow into Passion to Reach today. Uh, again, it's just it's a way for us to say thank you. It's a way for us to connect into the bigger picture of what God is doing. And so just let the Lord lead you today. Would you just take a moment right now and just pray? And if the Lord puts anything in your heart, Everything from this offering is gonna go directly to Passion to Reach Ministries and to Pastor Finu and just their ministry as a whole. And so, as we usually do, you can give via Tithely. Just go and select Passion to Reach Ministries so you can give. Uh, if you're giving for an e-transfer, just clearly indicate this is for Pastor Finu or for Passion to Reach Ministries. And then if you like to drop your offering off here at the church, you can just clearly mark it on your envelope or another way communicate that to us. But once again, Pastor Finu, thank you so much for that incredible message. Thank you so much for setting aside time with all you've got going on in your life to sow into us as a church family. We are truly grateful for that, and we're grateful for the word that God spoke to us through you, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we love you guys. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. And join us again next week. We actually have something particularly special. We're having a five for five. So we're going to have five different members of our church family, each sharing for five minutes about something that God has taught them over this past season. As we get ready to head into the fall and head into a new season, we want to take time to reflect on what God has shown us. So get ready next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be powerful.